Curious Anarchy podcast. Um, welcome to the show. This is uh, Brunch with Naomi Osaka, where we tackle um, issues directly with people on the show. Um, we're going to be talking about your your piece of work that you've put together about race and, and post-coloniality. I'm just waiting for Mark to... <coughs> Excuse me, to join us. Welcome, Mark. Good. How are you? We're here Good with Nikita Jeffers. Hi. We are here with the Jeffers. How are you, Mark? I'm fine. How are you? Wonderful. Can you hear me? Thank you. Wonderful. Yes, I can. Thank Lovely. you. So, Hi, Good Makita. morning. Good afternoon. Can you watch me fine? Makita, a friend of mine. Yeah, yeah. Good afternoon to you all. Good afternoon. Good. Good. This, this, uh, in fact, Mark, where would you like to start? Well, um, well, first of all, we need a bit of a backdrop of, of why we're doing the podcast today and who our esteemed guest is. Yeah, we've, we've just done that. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, and introduce yourself as well. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're talking about the piece of work that uh, Makeda has put together um, today. But I just wanted to find out if you had any sort of questions before that, because myself and Makeda used to go to school together. Wow, okay. We went to yeah, high well, that, let's start there then, shall we? I mean... Yeah. Um, Okay, Hi guys, I'm Nikita Jeffers. Um, yeah, that's correct, me and Jermaine. Um, we used to go to school together back in the 19, whatever. Won't give away our ages. But yeah. Um, <laughs> so let's start with the obvious question, Makita. Let's start with the obvious question. Go ahead. Because there are people listening all over the world who have been listening for a while. What was Jermaine like at school? You know what? To be fair... He was an A-star student. I'm not going to lie. He was an exemplary student, always really pleasant, always really pleasant aboard. And yeah, I could definitely see that he was going to go on to big things in life. Definitely a determined young man. So yeah, I'm not surprised by all of his success, to be fair. It's something I, mean, I 100%, 100% agree with you, but I'm pretty certain our listeners will be looking for a, a little bit more juicy sort of background than that. Really. Oh, sorry, I can't disclose any information like that. I'm sorry. We're just going by that from my lips. No. Thank you. Thank I hope you. that um, Jermaine will keep the same confidentiality. <laughs> so, so to our listeners, I'd just like to say to you all, unfortunately, they're not prepared to go any deeper than they've just been. So we can respect that. We can respect um, yeah, it was lovely. We had a lovely time at school, and yes, yeah, since um, leaving school, I've gone on to be really heavily just involved in education. Really, um, I've been okay. at for about fifteen years now, um, working in a variety of settings like pupil referral units. Um, I've worked in childminders and youth centres, so really engaging with children in the community and just okay, like. So- so you and I have done the same sort of thing because I've worked in pupil referral centres. I've worked with kids who've been excluded from schools. Um, I've worked with the homeless, doing life skills with them. So we've yeah. we've got a fairly similar background. Yeah, to be honest, like really being um, 
interested in more academic study going on with children in education. So, sure, sure. Uh, yeah, I'm working towards my master's degree now in education so that I can sort of wow. what the um, needs of our children are. I'm really interested in the similarity between um, education, race and class. That's well, I was just about to ask you about that, to be honest. I was just about to ask you about that because one of my frustrations at working in a number of different schools and units is the the narrowness of the curriculum. Now, I'm going to start off by saying that, unfortunately, unlike you and Jermaine, I, I probably double your age in terms of uh, years lived. Um, and I can remember when education had a much broader setting. It wasn't necessarily better at dealing with class and race, but it was... A better background of, of history so you at least understood the path of history yeah i see i see education today it, it's dumbing down particularly in subjects like history so so you would learn perhaps about the, the american west without yeah. any great reference to where it came before or after so you know it's a, such a disjoint um journey now. timeline yeah yeah and um that's a lot of what I'm writing about in my essay, really. It is a philosophical position on my um, personal philosophical statement on my position in um, for the module that I was doing while I was at study for um, university, uh, the philosophy of education module that we studied. And it really did challenge my own conceptions of what education is. And it really made me have to look back on my own education experiences and understand why I think education the way that I do. And definitely, sure. um, obviously, being the race that I am, coming from the class that I am, having the background yeah. that I have, it's contributed enormously to what I think of and how I, therefore, um, educate others as well. So I want to ask you a question related to that, because for me, I did the same thing. I, I, I re-evaluated what I'd been through with education and what I was seeing today. Um, and I was surprised and shocked at how worse it got when I thought it couldn't get any worse than when I was there, if you know what I mean. So yeah. I was really surprised how worse it had got. And I put that down to the model of education that's been around since the Industrial Revolution. Yeah. You know, so, so they used a similar model for the whole of education system in Britain yeah. and they haven't changed it dramatically. Like for example, learning styles. You know, you and I have worked with kids who don't fit into those learning styles. Yeah. There isn't really an alternative to them properly if you don't fit into that way of learning. So if you learn in a different way, you know, like auditory movement, etc., whichever way you, you, you learn best isn't accommodated. It's still sit down and write. Mm -hmm. And that, um, some of the things that we talk about in the essay as well, we're talking about Prier's model of when he talks about banking education in the pedagogy of the oppressed. And he yeah. just talks really a lot about how the whole system of education is just designed to deposit information into students and then regurgitate it or, or be able to withdraw that deposit whenever a, a person requires it of you. If you think about even things like the times tables, like having the ability to regurgitate that at will. Yes, That's yeah, absolutely. Example of, of, yeah. of information into but students. But having read your essay, um, yeah. I think it also, also has a subplot of control of getting people to learn their place and learn how to behave in society. I've worked yeah, well, in a number of different jobs because I've been thrown out so many because I will not tolerate that kind of biases. And yeah. so what, what I find is that, you know, even as a teacher, even as a support worker, even as a, a an independent mentor, you still have to toe the line of control. Yeah, That's definitely. way more important than 
individual development. So if you say there's a child that could become a fantastic pianist, but he can't be taught properly because he's actually constrained by his behaviour, overtaking before he gets close to becoming a great pianist. Yeah, and this is why we have to try and really separate behaviours from actual people and behaviours from the child, especially when it comes to childhood development, because once we... It's unwanted behaviour in a child, it's not necessarily having a bad child. And if we can disconnect that, then it comes a little bit easier to teach these hard-to-reach students. Correct. It's all, it's all very interesting because it, it does take um, your own personal values and your own position. Correct. And I, that's what I've had to do really strongly. Yeah, but I suppose what I'm trying to say to you is, I agree with you 100%, but what I'm trying yeah. to say to you, the problem is the education system. So we can do individual bits of good work, part of Birmingham and part of London, where we can do little bits of blossoming where other people aren't. But but the system itself, as you know, there's a, a national curriculum, there's a national code of behaviour. So all of those things are like straitjackets across the country. So wherever you are in the Isle of Wight or... or, or um, the Welsh hillsides, it's all the same because it's, it's designed to be a, a mimic of everything. Yeah, this is insidious and it's not just in this country, it's in countries across the world that people are taught or educated to the level that people think got, that they need to aspire to. And this is why when we talk about social mobility and people actually um, using education as a tool to get them out of these um, oppressive conditions. Yeah. I mean, you know when you say it's all over the world, sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm just, it's because I'm passionate, I'm, I don't mean to interrupt you, I do apologise. Yeah. It's just I'm passionate about this subject. Um, okay. All around the world because, really because, um, the English model was used elsewhere, it got transported through colonialism, colonialism and it got uh, it got mimicked by people who studied in Cambridge and Oxford, who yeah. then went on to rule their countries. So, I, for example, I was in Kenya, yeah. and there were textbooks there and exercise books from the 1950s in England. Yeah, and this so that shows you how much our model was. Is, is, is Dr. Ote. And this is the sad yeah. thing because there were a lot of people in the East or in developing countries, whatever way you want to put it, um, they still aspire to this model of education. Correct, and correct. Education is, is correct to the point where they give up everything they've got in their whole nation. Because of the, the hope of this Western dream, which one of the problems here, the quickest realize. It's very difficult to achieve the idea of coming over here and achieving everything without facing racism, classism and xenophobia. So it becomes an extra barrier to what they're actually trying to achieve. But um, well, you, you can actually... That, that's very true. But also what it does, it, 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 if you're going to achieve... System, so in other words, you've got to play with the rules that are already in... Which isn't... We should, these should be changed by now. They're, they're 200 years old. They should be changed yeah. by now. We need an active community. We need the active community of like-minded people that are interested in all levels of education, not just in the teaching element, because as I've seen in the teaching industry, it is overrepresented with a lot of black and Asian um, people, but they're always in support roles. And you, you very I was just rarely... about to say that. I was just about to say that. I... Yeah, you're very... Because I haven't gone up the ladder. I refuse to go up the ladder. Working with people who are starting out and are all on that level. And when I go higher up, there isn't that representation. At best, yeah. at best it, but in terms at of class and, yeah. and, and uh, uh, sort of uh, ethnicity, not a chance. Yeah, at best it may be women or um, Asian yeah. men might be representative of, of, of people yeah. of color community. I haven't but, found, um, I found that in science sort of areas, but not in 
running schools. I haven't found that at all. Uh, very in few London, schools. I mean, in London, sorry. It's probably I different mean, in London. Yeah, if you go up to areas like um, Yorkshire and, and Bradford and areas like that, and we have got a few schools in Birmingham that are run by male um, Asian heads. So it, it does work. Even when we talk about things like governance, and this is why one of the reasons why I got into governance in Birmingham, I am a local authority governor. And it's wow. because to be a part of, you have to be a part of it if you're going to make those decisions. You can't just be sitting on the sidelines and expecting your voice to be heard. It is very insidious. So you have to have people involved in every single level. And that's only when you're going to um, see real change. I think we need to make a network of that because I hear people say this, but I do not see the structure going across the country that does that. So what, what happens is that you could go to a meeting and you could meet people, but, but there isn't something set up to challenge the status quo. There isn't a, a sort of framework of people who are in this position who can meet and talk about it. Like, like it used to happen regularly in the 70s and before. Yeah. That isn't happening now. Yeah, so what's happening is... I think the last, I'm sorry to um, interrupt you, I think the last of supplementary schools that were really prevalent in the 60s and 70s and yeah. the 80s as well, that's an important feature of education as well because that supplementary education that, she, that young people were getting in the community, it gave them that sense of empowerment, it gave them that sense of belonging, it gave them that sense of... Correct, identity. correct. Without it, we can see going into schools, a lot of students like myself, they felt displaced, they felt not represented, so yeah. it makes them feel like this education is not designed for you. So you disengage and then you lose the opportunity to, to progress through education because it's not designed for you. And yeah. if we're thinking about making a model that's inclusive for all, then we have to look at the process of, of academization because what academies can now do is create their own curriculums and they're not so much dictated to by their local authorities as to what they can teach. So if people are really interested in diversifying the curriculum and, um, um, yeah, deconstructing the systems of racism that are in place in education, then there are things that are set in place, but it, it needs to be done with a sense of unity and collaboration yeah. and like But I think we need, we need to recapture the, the thing that we used to have, um, forums for people who want to challenge the status quo. You know, I'm talking, for example, conferences where you meet once a quarter and people yeah. can discuss how to do it. But doing it on your own is as valid and as important as it is, it's not, it's going to, first of all, it's going to disillusion you a lot of the time, your head's going to go down, not you, but I mean, a lot of people. Um, and, and also, it, it's isolationist because it doesn't, you know, there are so many people that would agree with you. Now, if we had a conference tomorrow, we'd up and down the country, we'd have so many people that would agree, but they're not getting a voice because the system is designed. And it's really interesting because reading your stuff about slavery, it's, it's, it's a mimic of this. Mm. It's designed not to give that voice. Mm. You know, so it, it's clear that this is a continuation of control, which is why the whole BLM has been, again, the, it's challenging. Now, what is that status quo? White privilege. Mm. But really, it's class privilege. Because although we can see the white working class jumping in and misunderstanding it totally, Mm. They're doing it, gaining an awful lot from it, except for their yeah. privilege and the situation they're in at the moment. They're not gaining the wealth yeah. that goes along with that 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 development. Yeah. But these people who are actually wealthy now and have had been for you know like the Knights of the Templar, where happened to all the wealth and the gold from that? You know, there's yeah. huge amounts yeah. of money in this country that is not being shared around, mm. and they're scared that by talking about these things, it's exactly why education stopped having history and sociology and all those subjects on a level it did in the seventies. 
to stop all of that. That was the whole point. Yeah, and so, I think the community cohesion that we have seen, like a lot of white working class families and black working class families, they've had to come together because they've got that commonality of, of being yes. in class. And that's what um, the elitists didn't really account for. They didn't think that we'd find such solidarity and companionship. Yeah, but it's, but it's also why you got getting this backlash now because they've they've stirred up. Look, all of them, Boris, all of them, they've stirred up this backlash. You know, they've, they've misrepresented the whole discussion deliberately because what they want to do is stop that unity. Yeah, if they can find a division like, between us all. They will strive to do it. So that's why that's why and um, flag and all that stuff is coming up all the time now because they want to try and create some ridges between people. Yeah, they want to try and create some type of division because they can see yeah. that we're, we're all too connected. There's too much exactly. things that can then divide us. And this is well, why it's important to um, just really focus on the things that keep us the same and not the things that take us apart. Oh, 100%. 100%. Just highlight things like um, the underachievement of white working class boys in education. It is apparent white working class boys are the lowest category of students that leave with GCSEs after they leave school. But it, yeah, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't negate the fact that black Afro-Caribbean boys are still, still doing very, very poorly in school. But then they'll contrast that and say, well, black African students are excelling even better than white working class children. So it's not about race. So we see that these intersections are some of the things that they'll use and play on to say that it's not necessarily all about race and it's not necessarily all about class. But if you understand how it's all set up, they'll use what statistics they can to make one situation look better than the other. So for yes. example, if we're talking about the overall um, existence of racism in education, if you can show um, statistically that white working class boys are achieving worse than anybody else in the country, then you can say there's no racism in education because look, it's white boys that are failing. But what, you need to break, break it down even more and, and bring in the barriers and bring in the groups because that's what we're doing homogenizing all these groups together and saying, all right, mm. then the details we're going to take. Yeah. But hold on. But, but, and, and when we look I, at... Sorry, Mark. Sorry. I, I just, just, just to kind yeah, of... Yeah, yeah. Um, on what you kind of mentioned in terms of the statistics and the way that they manipulate the statistics and, and how they present them, um, it, you know, it, it's problematic in that, for example, we have the term BAME, which generalizes and, and like you say, homogenizes a whole group of people from yeah. different areas of the world who are a minority in this country, but at the same time, they we, we don't all share common values, cultures, beliefs, all of that kind of thing. So it's not like we've grown like I, I'm from the Caribbean. Well, I'm I'm born here in Britain. That that's one. So I'm British, but mm. I have Caribbean. Jamaica and Grenada so my my cultures on both sides are, are Caribbean but they're slightly different um mm. somebody from India would be put into the same group as me somebody from China would be put into the same group as me yeah. somebody mm. who is and, and this is the real kicker you have your uh, Romani and and traveler community mm. who would also mm -hmm. be put in the same group as me mm -hmm. as so it's it's kind of you're kind of playing around with the nuances and 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 suggesting things that don't really exist because of how you're manipulating the data um what, what do you think of like the term BAME the use yeah, of the term BAME the term BAME because what you're actually doing is you, you're creating an underclass to the working classes because you're creating a new class of people because yeah. when you describe people as BAME you just take away their identity and again yeah. it gives you 
excuse to say that right then we beat that quota if we take um local national government for example they can say they're anti-racist because they've got bames in the cabinet okay well a lot of those are asian men and if you if you want to break it down even more they're indian men that mm -hmm. have got their i've got that generational wealth they're wealthy indian men that have had the same yeah. education things yeah. i'm bringing as you so there is no there is no diversity in the cabinet there but because yeah. you can tick boxes in and homogenize all the same that's when we become the same thing and i like to think of it as like a sort of niggerization of the uh, whole classes because niggers are no longer just defined by the color of their skin it's defined by your education your housing your health care and what this system has done is it's pushed a lot of people into an underclass where we are treated like niggers. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and it's, yeah. only, it's only through certain attributes that you can actually get out of that type of cycle. Education is the key, but again, we realise that the education that's providing these communities is substandard. So you have yeah. to really, really want to excel to get somewhere for, uh, to get somewhere far. Um, we've all we've all heard the saying that you have to work twice as hard to be um, just as good, and that yeah. now applies so much more people it's not just about the color of your skin anymore it applies to people that are immigrants people that are now identifying as different sexes and genders it applies to all types of people that are getting these new barriers that are put in front of them but also i think there's there's another another thing that you know the 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 the, the, the classes of people that don't fit into education are meeting together and linking together because agendas are non-academic Mm. We have a shared culture that is non-academic, which sounds kind of crazy in a way, but actually that there's a culture around that. And and it, it's crossing, you know, like all the groups you've mentioned, happily mixed together in a non-framework, it's only it starts getting, for want of a better word, competitive or, or you know, who's going to get any privilege, that that, mm. that becomes an issue. The other thing is, what I noticed is that reading your essay, the thing about in the whole the whole misnomer around indenture is the same thing you talk about around BAME. It's deliberate um, misrepresentation. Yeah. Deliberate. It's deliberate. Mm. It's not accidental. It's not fallen about by this is planned strategies. Mm. Divide and rule again. Because by putting these things in the middle of it all, it throws up a firework of confusion. Mm. Mm -hmm. And, that's, and this, that's the real problem we're dealing with because uh, you didn't talk to someone and they suddenly go, oh, no, no, but what's wrong with saying this? Or what's, uh, you know, there was, the Irish were, no, 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 you're missing the point. Mm. These, these things did not come from us. I, I'll be honest, I've been involved with all this for years and years. I've never heard indenture until five years ago. You know, mm. it wasn't a term we were using. And BAME certainly wasn't a word we were using. Mm. You know, this is deliberate strategies. And, and what people fail to see, and I, I want to address this because it, it, it links into what you're saying quite a lot. Is, is that there's a worldwide funding to, with the right wing at the moment. More powerful than they've ever been in my lifetime. You know, look at the whole Trump thing, Brazil, all these places, the right are getting money to, to influence decisions so that what we would call common sense in the past has almost gone out the window. Don't talk to mm. me about science. There's no such thing as science. All this kind of discussion. And mm. that's why they, they're, they're attracted to some elements of, of the working class because they're, they're throwing away all the academic stuff. And this is a problem because that's their that's their ability to bring out the bigotry in people, is is to find a commonality that they can link with. Because these in this country they're all from Eton and places they've got no commonality with the working class. But by what? throwing away, pardon? sorry, go on. No, no, I was saying, but by throwing these terms in, 
by, by deliberately entering these things in, it creates gaps and, and, and um, wedges where they weren't. That's the problem, is that they're setting yeah. a new agenda. The right setting a new agenda, without a shadow of a doubt. So, for example, the whole Candice thing with and, and, and those sort of people who are saying, you know, I'm black and, and there's nothing wrong with the system. That whole thing is being funded. Mm. You can see it being funded. And all those powerful people that are putting money in to do this want to confuse people. And they're achieving it. Look at the look at election results and look at the, the way that people have acted around the world recently. When you think they've got more, you know, there's a, a guy, uh, Jermaine and I were looking at this thing, a guy in, in the north somewhere said, we're doing better under the choice because we've got more food banks than we had under Labour. Yeah. Wow. yeah. And, and, and you need to know about the way this is being sold to us. And this is the problem. People are not able to check their own bias and really be honest about the bias that they actually feel for themselves. And until people can be open and honest with what they actually think, we're not going to see any real change. Because if we say that this is not a racist country and the report that's come out has said that this is not a racist country, yeah, yeah. all aware of the Conservatives' policies and governments and things that Boris Johnson has said in the past, overwhelmingly in the last election, Everybody voted for Conservative. Labour hasn't got a leg to stand on anymore. No, correct, correct. But what I'm saying to you, what I'm saying to you is, what I'm saying to you is that this is a deliberate policy. It's not as simple as that because this is a planned strategy now with a lot of money behind it. So they, they're using social media platforms to propagate this nonsense that they're talking. And 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 if we look at it as an individual, it's not an individual thing about an individual shouldn't be racist. It's that we've got to stop this movement of rewriting everything. It, because they're now changing the agendas. Look at the whole thing with Trump. Agendas. It's not and necessarily it's, about rewriting things. It's just about letting people know where the information is and that the information. You no, know I'm saying they are. They are. They are rewriting. The right is rewriting how we do things right now. That's why Labour isn't winning because because what you've got a situation now is a, a white middle class, black working class candidate for mayor in London that there's racism in this country and he's saying no, there's not. Mm. You see, that's the agenda I'm talking about. And you, you, you've got to recognise this agenda because it's going to split us so much. Mm. I mean, Candice says it so many times. I've got white people telling me uh, that I'm being racist, uh, you know, and calling me uh, a sellout. And that. How can I be a sellout? I'm black. You're not even black. This is... They're deliberating. Because nobody wants to be accused of being a racist or, or having an act of racism. Exactly. But when we all check it, we've all got our own biases and it's about being open and honest about that because that's the only way you're going to learn. If we look at some of the work that Jane Elliott does and some of the work she goes yes, about... Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember when she did time, but, but I'm saying I agree with you 100 We've got to be careful because I think there's a there's a financial agenda out to change the way we try and address these things. So when we talk openly and honestly, they're exploiting it because they're not talking openly and honestly. No, and this is what we need people in a room that can create that type of influence and we need people that can make a change. I don't know who your enemy are. So when they're doing this campaign across the world, we need to be conscious of it because so many people are not talking about this. You know, like Trump, Johnson, this whole age of, of misrepresenting things. It's not an accidental thing that will go away in a year or something. There's money no. and there's influence going into it and they're misrepresenting things on all social media. They start their own social media, they're starting their own Bitcoins. They are trying to deliberately alienate people in a way that we haven't seen before. It's all about media and how people are using media at the yeah. minute and what's yeah. yeah. and what's not. All this cancel culture of who we're going to cancel and who we're going to keep liking and 
we haven't had to deal with that before social media no, isn't exactly. really had to deal with so people yeah. are manipulating it to their advantage and rightly so if you've got a tool that can give you that type of reach of course you're going to be utilizing it to whatever agenda you set for yourself and your organization but it's about being able to use your intellect when you're going through some of these things and being able to discern what's correct and what's not you can't be sucked in and manipulated by everything well, well, we, we can't be, but there's so many people that can be. And the, the problem is, because it's an organised this, it's it's easier for them. Because you, when you talk about the media, who are we talking about? There's six, seven individuals that own all the world's media. Yeah. You know, they, yeah. they, they have a very powerful influence in how we think right now. I mean, think about how long, you know, people can go without any mass media at all. Yeah. Lucky for a day. They have a big influence, and I think there's, they've realised this because you see, there was a couple of elections a while ago that the most social, for example, with Jeremy Corbyn, where the media swung a lot of support towards Jeremy Corbyn, and they're conscious of this. And, and there's now a campaign by the right to manipulate social media. Like the, the discussion in America is still whether Trump actually lost the vote. You know, you can't have these discussions, but they're still having them. People are going to have discussions because it, as long as the idea has been put out there, you're always yeah. going to have people that want to explore more, want to get to the bottom of it. And it's just, it's all about keeping people distracted. It's yes. Keeping people distracted but, from what's happening. It's also about dividing people, and they, that's what they're trying to do tremendously. Yeah. And, and I think a part of that, just to kind of interject, is the fact that they're even able to divide us because we haven't had the education of going back to exactly. kind of the reason why you're actually here today. Um, is is part of the problem. So where do we go to get that education? There, there isn't somewhere that we can go to get educated about politics as such, really. Um, so, like, how how do we organise around that if we don't know how it works? I'd say supplement supplementary education again, like going to do community-based schools because um if we look into our own homes and sometimes our own household for this information it's not going to be found there either and that's why i start the piece with i grew up believing my mother was a liar because that's oh, what it was to i you. didn't hear that sorry yeah. when i i grew up with my mom giving us a very strong sense of identity and culture everything she talked to us was about african culture and history and spirituality and why we're great people and why we should be connected and why I should be proud of my name and my heritage and my identity. But then going to school, I don't hear any of that. I don't see any of that. I'm not represented. I'm hearing about history and nowhere in it do they mention exactly. anything that my mum has talked about at home. So instead of disbelieving the system of education, I then start to disbelieve what my mum's told me because no, there's no way that these professionals are going to lie to me. It's not just me, the teaching, the teaching everybody. These are these are adults, these, these are learned people. <laughs> So I've put my trust and my confidence in what the education system is giving to me and sort of reflected the truth that my mum was giving to me just because you've, you've branded it under this umbrella term education, compulsory education, a British standard education that everybody in the world di is dying to get. So it makes mm -hmm. you feel like there's something wrong with you when you have to question why you're not represented in, in the curriculum, why you're not re represented Correct. In, Correct. In, in, in the culture. It makes you have to think, is it something that is wrong with me and it's very yeah. few people that do get that um that insight into their own history and their own identity from a young age because we grow up eating african foods um wearing african clothes learning african languages and that did give me an internal sense of resilience and character building and it definitely helped me in later life understand what was going on with my own education 
but not everybody has that and i don't think some education just should be for um black children or children of color i think it should go for all children because yeah. like um, DeGroote talks about the postnatal depression um stress syndrome that comes trauma syndrome that comes from slavery in the slavery period it just doesn't affect black people it affects white people too so yeah, it means 100 their experiences of slavery and what they did to us and how they were uh, treated to us it's still in their dna it's still a part of how they behave and how they conduct themselves and until they heal from that trauma and we heal from our trauma of our experiences there's not really going to be any scope to grow and develop so it starts with education but it has to be education for all can i just can i just i, I want to interject because i i 100 agree with what you're saying but but the, the, the problem is the onus on the individual which is is, is in a lot of ways it's hit and miss because individuals have so many other things going on in their lives that it can be hit and miss what what used to happen and i can give you so many examples of this i mean for example recently in, in a small axe they were talking about the mangrove the mangrove um organization that, that fought against the police when they tried to harass people in uh, around notting hill it, the, the sense of organized education is very important. Akala, Akala talks about going to schools for people so they could learn their history. Mm -hmm. And and so many, I can talk to you about Tanzania, how Tanzania challenged the world with its homegrown style of, of um, collective responsibility to dealing with things. It, it, it comes from having forums where we can talk about these things. In, in the 70s and the 60s, I can't tell you how many forums there were that people would go to and have these discussions. So you'd mm. learn on the spot because you'd learn, hey, I didn't know Birmingham had this. And suddenly you're learning about things that you didn't know at all about. Now, we don't have those forums anymore. Like you say, it's about individuals going on the computer. Alone. But that's a long and sometimes alienating experience. Yeah, because we, if you look in our community, sorry to interrupt you. No, no, carry on, carry on. If you look in our community, we don't, we've lost our culture, we've lost our identity, and for want of a better word, we've become very westernized. Like we're more yeah. interested in of the material wealth of this of this country and of the world. Nobody's really yeah. been in touch with spirit. Nobody's. Sorry, really I, I don't know if I've misrepresented my, what I'm saying because it wasn't just about a community; it was yeah. the whole community was about education. So, if you were a gypsy uh, or traveller, whatever, uh, if you were from a African community, if you were from uh, Spanish, everyone was together in learning. That's the point. So you learn about, I learned about the, the Spanish Civil War. I didn't know a thing about the Spanish Civil War. I learned because people, Spanish people, were at these forums talking about their experience and that British people had gone out and fought there to help them in the Spanish Civil War. So what I'm saying is we, we need to recreate these, these, these forums across the country so people can talk, not on the media, I'm not nothing against people talking on the media at all, but I'm saying, you know, actually being there in person and talking to people is a liberating experience. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of experiences of any negative connotations of people prejudiced with anything is because you haven't had experience any type of people. So if you've got a uh, sort of prejudiced against a set group of people like the Roman and Gypsies, for example. Have you spent any time with these people? Do you understand why they do some of the things they do? Exactly. Or you exactly. guide how you think and then therefore treat them? And, but the other and thing this, I was... Sorry, I'm just a big one. And this, is, this is why it comes with um, being connected and interconnected with people because ultimately we all are here with spiritual beings. We've all got a spiritual yeah. experience. Yeah. We're all on this earth for a purpose and everybody should and everybody should be able to have that experience in safety and mm. if 
if we're fearing about things like our race or our religion and our, our appearances, we're never really able to fully enjoy the experience of life. So, mm. it's the, the campaign against apartheid in Britain, there were meetings with, with people from all over the world, from from Africa, from the, the Caribbean, from from Ireland, all at these meetings to organise against apartheid. So you had people that were important people in their countries even coming to discuss these things. I'm saying we've lost those forums right now because because we've become alienated from joining in in groups. I'm not just talking about this year because of the COVID. I'm talking about generally. We don't have those same things we used to have. Yeah. Um, I don't know if people do it on Zoom maybe, but but I think it's better in person. And, and sorry, just I, I want to let you speak about just to say that I've spoken to a lot of people that used to be in right-wing groups who left because they had the personal experience like you're talking about. So mm -hmm. when they meet someone like yourself, they change their views. And up until then, they never met anyone like you. I've worked with people who, until they were 30, didn't meet a single person of colour. Mm. And then when they met them, they changed their views completely. But, but you have to have that. You can't do it online. That's not the same thing. No. Well, no, well, I'm just saying, I'm not saying it to you, I'm saying that, that, that you know, the experience is not the same online. Because yeah, it, you can't judge the people. You can't have a... You can't have some African food with them, for example. Yeah, you, you can't experience you know I mean? that. You can't experience the wholeness of them. But yeah, I love yeah. um, people just wait till the situation gets worse or gets too biblical. Like, look at the situation in in Palestine. What's going yeah. on over there? Like, we've it's been going on for absolutely decades, and everyone knows the situation. But it's only when we hear about it on the news and we see the big bombings that people actually want to get united and do something towards it. But like you said, the example of apartheid in South Africa, that was a global movement that yes, went yeah. people said they had enough of it and people all over the world were coming together to say enough is enough. Um, why but there's, another, there's another thing, just to pick up on that, there's another thing, because what also happened was we had white South Africans joining in with the movement. So they actually wanted to fight against their own country and their own system because they thought it was inherently wrong. And this is the thing about having people using their white privilege to help less fortunate groups. Yes, yes. We have to know who our white allies are and our, and our people that have got influence and how they can be allies to us. And it's about educating white people how to cool. be better allies to people of colour and how to use that privilege so it's not just for yourself. Because like you said, without a lot of people standing up and this is why a lot of the time when we go through history and we hear about about um abolition and things we'll hear about william wilberforce we'll hear about sure that this came through and rightly or wrongly so if it wasn't for those key voices would we be in the situation that we are today so oh, we can't always assume that just because a white person just because a person's white that they're a natural enemy and we can't always assume that because a person is a person of color that they're a natural ally because you as you, yeah. you see history you've got people that are people of colour that are there to destroy movements, that are there to create division between people. And you can look at throughout history at different religious and political groups that have done that successfully and been able to unite people and division instead of unity. <clears throat> so my question would be, where would Will, William Wilberforce have learnt his stuff if he was living today? Because today he'd be on a computer and he'd be having so many random conversations, they'd be all over the place by the end of the week. Well, we're, we're, going out, by going out and... And, and, and getting on, on boats and talking to people and finding out the reality is how he learned to change his viewpoint. Yeah, but and again, would William Wilberforce have the opportunity today, being the class that he is, interact with some um, working well, class? Yeah, well, that's what I'm asking. So unless we create those forums, they won't have that. That's the point. Because we're very much divided. Like It's hard to get to the elites when you're um, in the underclass. Your voice is not being heard. It's only when we you when we unify and organise ourselves that we Correct. can make a difference. Yeah, absolutely.
Totally. Absolutely. There's something that lends itself really well to, to unification because once we begin to unify, we can then pull on all resources because there were groups who were bundled together in this BAME category, with <laughs> yeah. Black, Asian, and minority ethnic, which yeah. is so incredibly broad. Yeah. But there were certain groups, like when we were talking, mentioning in, uh, Indian um, children in the yeah. education system that seem to be excelling. Now, there's in India, they have a, I'm aware that there's a, what they call a caste system. So yeah. it's a similar kind of system as over here, except they're still, they kind of look the same. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, but it's it's the differentiation between the, the cast that makes the difference. So if we can pull on those resources and if we can pull everybody in, into a room together to, to be to, to commune, then we can make ensure that we can yeah, find a yeah. way for everybody, everybody's yeah. level of attainment, everybody's level of education and, and development actually meets a, a, a similar standard. I would imagine that there may be um, you know, vari var variants, um, but it wouldn't be to the degree that we have where we have whole groups, which are categorically and undeniably yes. bottom yes. of the class consistently over and over again. And there is nothing being done about that. Savage remain to cut you, but it's because of the system of capitalism that we're all, that the, the country is operating on. Like, it's not going to change until people are being fair and being equal. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. No, you're 100% true. But, but, this is why but, the education system is the way that it is, so that we've got people that are trained to serve and we've got people that are trained to yeah. be service. Yeah. And it's that's the way that the, the world's designed, unfortunately. But we, we in the past, when it's, when when parts of capitalism have been broken down, it's through organisation. I mean, if you look at Cuba, probably arguably the longest-running communist country in the world, um, Che Guevara left Argentina to meet um, Fidel Castro in London to mm. organise the, the revolution in, 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 in Cuba. So it was through the international movement of people like... So you have contacts everywhere. You, you've got a friend everywhere you go. You've got an ally everywhere you go. And that's, that's at the moment what's kind of like, in a sense, missing is that, that we're, we're, we're almost bound to our machines now. You know, we don't have that same freedom of movement that we used to have. Like, let's pop over to Paris, meet some uh, revolutionaries there, and etc. You know, like it, it's less happening now because of the media than it used to. I and mean, people communicate now online, but it's not the same thing. Yeah, and obviously the events of 9/11 has contributed massively to um, yeah. national insecurity. Yeah. It just yeah. means that people are a lot more cautious about who they're going to see and when they're going to see them. And it, it does put that extra level of scrutiny under the people. But you're right, that face-to-face interaction has definitely begun. <clears throat> people being able to speak with people directly face-to-face -face that are living their own experiences and, and, and joining unity, that's very rare. I know that we've got the social media network and platform, but like you said, it sort of dehumanises the whole yeah. experience. It's like we're talking to people through machines and what springs to yeah. mind is the whole matrix thing. And it absolutely, will be, absolutely. The matrix, it's about being plugged in and who's willing to um, plug yeah. themselves out. But it seems like they've made it impossible to plug yourself out because that's the only way you can stay connected with certain groups and certain forums. So it's mm. like a catch 22. So you that's why Jermaine and I have, have, have started this podcast to do this. But, but I'm just thinking to myself, if I was in a room with 200 people and you were speaking, 200 people would leave the room with an experience they have never had before and a, a mindset they've never had before. Mm. That's what we're lacking is years ago that used to happen in so many different... I mean, I'm, I, I've heard so many people in London talking back in the 60s and 70s, people, international characters that you can t talk about. Um, one example, we 
Bernadette McCluskey in, in uh, uh, Bernadette Devlin, who was the youngest MP ever from uh, Catholic Ireland. Okay. Hearing her speak in a, in a conference hall of 200 people was, was life-changing. And, and this is sometimes we need, need them, them forums, but like I said, again, it's about collective unity. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got to speak at um, the Pan-African Forum um, conference that they did in 2018. And that was an international forum that was put on at Birmingham City University by um, um, Professor Kendi Andrews. And that was a really, really good wow. platform for people to come, share their experiences. I remember there was particularly um, a really powerful speaker um, a lady from Northern Ireland who came, a mixed-race lady from Northern Ireland who came and spoke about her experiences of being black in a country like Northern Ireland and not mm. knowing who her black father was and, and how that impacted and infected her life. And I just remember feeling like I would have never heard this story if I wasn't here today. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I would have never really considered it because it's so... It's similar to my own, but it's so different to my own because exactly. you the water and you don't think about the oppression of people over in Ireland, then you're, you're more likely to think about things like South Africa and the things that are going on in, in, in North America. Yeah. But for a lot of these people growing up just around the corner, their experiences have been very, very harrowing. And when we talk about race and racism in this country, there's a wealth of knowledge and information out there that we can access, but we don't really necessarily hear those stories all the time because we're too focused on systems of racism in countries like america and that's yeah. the only history that we ever really hear so yeah. it was interesting to see the whole small acts thing go on it was yeah uh, i love it was, that it, yeah it was nice it was nice like i feel like it was a good style of representation because yeah. I, I appreciate the different stories that they had and the variety of experiences they exposed mm -hmm. um, how many non-black people actually watched that well, I, I did for a But um, I, I think um, the other thing, talking about what you just said there, I was lucky enough to go to Brazil and with a capoeira group and yeah. to look at the role of capoeira in, in challenging slavery in, in Brazil. Yeah. And, um, you know, again, that's an experience you, you don't hear about. It was a very different uh, path yeah. uh, of ending slavery. And you don't hear about it because it doesn't fit, fit into the, you know, the if you like because yeah. because there are so many different stories this is what you know when you talked about hearing that woman there are so many different stories of different paths that yeah. people have taken and, and we won't hear them if we don't you know like for example i'll give you an example angela davis one of the best yeah. speakers i've ever heard and she's coming close towards the end of her career and if people don't start listening to us soon we're going to miss that that gem of information that she has yeah. um you know you'll see it online but it's not the same thing like we said before it's not the same thing and and uh you know, that's why we're trying to get people like that on here. But also, we need to, like you said, we need to organise to get that solidarity forums back that we had because they've been dismantled because they don't want us organising. It's that simple. Mm. Everything we've had for the past twenty years has been distraction to keep to stop us doing that very thing. And what unify? Yeah, I mean, uh, physically unify. I mean, you know, like you know, for example, the closest you could say is today, like with with, with the uh, BLM marches and the and the anti-vax marches. That's the closest you're coming to people collectively doing something mm. um you know because for a song, such a long time they've kind of stopped it in a way you know we do it over individual causes like a specific cause but we don't do it in an educational level we do it on a reaction level mm. we, we need to be proactive not just reacting
Well, yeah, it's about using preventative measures because a lot of yes. the time, like I said, we wait for the situation to get worse, the situation to yes. explode, and it's like, all right, then how do we respond? When all the while we can see these tensions bubbling underneath the surface, but nobody actually wants to address it, nobody wants to address the elephant in the room and be like, all right, then how do we tackle this yeah. issue? I mean, 500 people, and you telling people when, when, white people can't tell me that, back, that we live in a racist country. I want to hear your response with those other 500 people. Mm -hmm. Not now. I want to hear it in that room. I want to feel the, 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 the discussion that we will have in a, a room like that. Yeah, because when you ask people to check their bias, the first thing they're going to do is get defensive. That's the first of course, thing. Of course. Yeah, of course. Themselves. But we have to remember that also certain people are and have always historically been paid off to, to represent the other side. So, you know, when they yeah. want a a one-legged Chinese man, they can find one because they'll pay yeah. enough money and someone will come forward. And this is why I, I've made the point about knowing who your allies are and who you're yeah. letting your yeah. team and what type of energies you're exposing yourself to because you do get them energy vampires that want to come and they want to suck out the whole yeah. energy positive yeah. and turn it into a whole negative experience because see how powerful it is? We can use the Black Panther movement as an example, like when people saw how powerful that was, yes. you just get insidious people to come in and come with their own agenda and quickly the reputation of the organisation is dispelled in it. And it I mean, just think of it like this, all the people that you've known in your life, if someone came up and said, I'll give you a million pounds to, to go in and spy on the Black Panthers, no one would go forward. Oh, there's definitely people that will because people we have to know what motivates people people are motivated by greed people are not motivated by success and, and notoriety but they're so, also motivated by poverty because if you haven't got anything and someone offers you a, a ferrari suddenly you're you know and this is why sometimes we have to understand the circumstances of these people in the community that do these type of things like yes we, we've been put in this situation and then you've been offered enough chance to get out of it just by doing something that you see something seemingly innocent and then it causes this ripple effect thing it's like the um name actually going around on facebook one of the times where it says that um in reference to little black boys like you put our fathers away and then you'll laugh at us for having no dads yeah, like yeah. it's a paradox it's a paradox because it just doesn't make any sense you say that children need their fathers but you've got no problem incarcerating a lot exactly. of black men and and not educating them and forcing them to have to, for example, other things abroad or anywhere else. All those yeah. things, all those things play into that. All of them. Yeah, because there is an interesting documentary that's coming out on the BBC. I think it's next week talking about the um, misdiagnosis of a lot of children in the sixties and seventies and claiming that they had learning disabilities and yeah, yeah. classes. And then that then becomes a self fantasy. These children aren't there. And a lot of the time their behavior in lessons is again in reference to what i was talking about in the essay because they don't feel represented in the classroom yeah. and people are coming with their preconceived ideas of what this little black boy is going to be like i remember one experience when i was working in a primary school and um we had two students that was displaying similar um behaviors in the, in the school um and it was linked to autism and autism in their behavior but i remember one member of staff really saying how scared and intimidated she felt when the little child come up and start displaying some of these um, spontaneous behaviours. But when the other child who did it, he was an Asian child, um, the family was endearing and it's like, these two children are doing exactly the same thing, but because this yeah. is a little boy, you feel scared and intimidated. Yeah. 
an Asian child doing the same thing, and I don't know whether it's got to do with the cast or the top, the, the skin of the child, but it's to do with familiarity. People, people are afraid of what they don't know. And we, we haven't broken those things down, which is why people have those fears. If you think mm. about logically, anything that frightens you is what you don't know. Mm. Yeah? Mm. Even with, even with, if we look at animals, lions don't attack you unless they're scared or they're hungry. Mm. And well, human beings aren't that far from that. I mean, people act like they are, but they're not. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, so it's the same thing. If you're scared of something, that's how you react. And I've worked in education since time and, and, and seeing people when autism first got a look in, if you like, have, not having a clue how to deal with it. Mm. Really not having a clue. Even the parents not having a clue, to be fair. Yeah. You know, it was so new and it was so off, off the radar because because you have the spectrum. It's not like it's one behaviour. Yeah. You know, so so how do you deal with all that? You have yeah. to, had no idea to deal with it. And a lot of the times before the terms came out, like autism and things like that, yeah. a lot of times it's a cultural um yeah. it's because of their, like their behaviour and not really understanding that it's a quite hard thing. We just need to find a different learning style for these children. And this is why you'll find so much children have ended up black children have ended up in special education, they've ended up getting kicked out of school and going to pupil referral units. And it's just because they're not being taught in the style that's suited to them. And it just seems like such a waste of potential. And I'm really interested to see the experience of um, the people on the documentary because it's going it's speaking to yeah, them. Yeah about their experiences when they were in school and how they sort of overcame those barriers as well. So but, really but the, other, the other thing is as well that, that, that um, certain people, I mean, I can think of Richard Branson as an absolutely failed education, but, but went on to do things like, for example, if you're not suited to the education system, how many people that are runners or singers, and I, I mean, from all communities, you know, they just mm. weren't suited to sitting down at a desk and repeating everything. They just bored the hell out of them. Yeah. I know people who left school, so many people left school before the time because they just weren't interested. It had nothing mm. of interest in them. They want to ride a motorbike. That's all they wanted to do at that age. Mm. You know, what, what were they going to do at school? No idea. No idea. What... Got thrown out as quick as they can. Do you know what kids do today? You know, because you, I told you, mate, but you, I know you know because you, you work in the same units as me. But kids throw chairs at headmasters because it's the only way to get away from bullying at school. So yeah. if you throw a chair at headmaster, they'll send you to a referral unit. And that's what you get away from the bullying. You don't grasp on anyone. You don't get, you know, beaten up because your mum came up to the school. You go to a referral unit and there no one knows that, that you were being bullied and you can act like a big man there. And that's that's so many kids' experience. And this is why it comes to noticing behaviour in children and what's reasonable behaviour. Because if I notice behaviour like that in the child, my first instance is not to get rid of the child. My first instance is to be alright, then what's going on with you? Yes. You yes. like this because this is not normal classroom behaviour. And if that's something that you're displaying, it means that I need to do a little bit more digging. For me, that would raise a safeguarding concern. What's going on with you? Like, is there somebody... I'm going to tell you this. Makeda, I'm going to tell you this. I worked at one school where I worked with... I was a behaviour inclusion manager at the school. I set it up from scratch. Um, And I worked with the general behaviour manager. We went around the school. There were 216 different styles of discipline in a child. Mm. So you can imagine how confusing that is for a child at that school. Yeah, definitely. Mm. You know, so so what? We, there's not even a unified approach. Like people like to think there is, there isn't. The, there really isn't. If you say, for example, you're chewing gum in the... mm. some teachers detention, some people go and see that. Some people are excluded for it. And that's how range and... the difference can be. 
this is this is what needs to be happened. There needs to be set some sort of level of consistency because, like you say, even children will know that they can get away with different things with different Exactly. And, and the other thing is this. Right, I, I did this with kids as well. How many adults do they meet in a school in a week? Yeah. And how many adults do you or Jermaine, out of, if, I, if I showed you 20 adults in your life, how many of them do you like? Yeah, exactly. Right? In different ways and understand their different patterns of behaviour so that you can fit in at a school. Well, why would you bother? It's, and this is it. Not, you don't need to like everybody. Not everybody's going to like you. And that's no. completely fine. And this is what I have to tell some of the students when they come and they talk about their behavior issues in the class. Oh, but that teacher just doesn't like me. Yeah. They don't need to like you to educate you. Yeah? And you don't exactly. need to, like you to learn. You're there for a reason. Nobody's there to be your friend. You know what I mean? You're there to get an education. And if you can dis disattach yourself emotionally and be like, all right, then this is what I'm here to do, then it becomes a better learning experience. But again, adults also need to learn to do that because a lot of the times these these teachers are coming in with their preconceived ideas exactly. of what the like, mm. what the behavior is going to be like, who's the students that they need to target, who's going to give them the most trouble. And because of that, they're already setting certain students up to fail. So as soon as they've got an issue with chewing gum, they'll drop their pen out of my class, out of my class, out of my class. And there's never that point of um, reconciliation where... No, exactly. And, and also, I don't, I don't know if you've got children. I haven't got children, but I know Jermaine has. Um, if you introduce your child to 20 different adults over a week, you've got the people who won't say a word until they're encouraged to. And you've got those other ones who are over-friendly with a car, you know, mm. jumping them up in the air before you even know who they are. You know, and that's what very much like teachers, they come in, one teacher say, listen, I come from your background. I know exactly, you know, you should be doing this, you're mumbling. And other teachers going, I don't get you at all. I mean, you know, imagine the confusion in a 13-year-old's head when all that's going on. Because they have different relationships in very different ways, like the sports teachers, the cooking teachers, so many different experiences yeah. of, of, of formality and informality. It's a lot to balance, and I've never really um, analysed it in that way. So, well, that, I had to because I, I was the inclusion officer, so I had to, that, I had to get to with it. That because um, I work at a school, and the way that we do it, we, um, we've only got three lessons a day, so it's very limited about the, um, yeah. the the members of staff that you'll be interacting with, and then we try and keep our um, learning in year group teams, so you'll only have the same two um, teachers in the same year group and I think that's a good way of making sure that you like you said children don't feel too no exactly but if you could have your model across the country it'd be brilliant but we're stuck in a model that's still from the 19th century and this is why <laughs> and this is why a lot of schools are going towards the academy process and, and getting their schools academized because that you can put in your own systems because I mean, I'm, I'm going to say this to you that the only problem with the academy system is the legacy of how it got introduced yeah, definitely. The legacy of how we got introduced, obviously the issues with the funding and everything and, and the results that were coming back. But and it came from the Conservative Party. It was a deliberate yeah. attempt to undermine comprehensive education yeah. by the Conservative Party. So that, yeah. a lot of people haven't forgotten or forgiven that. So yeah. unfortunately, but then, you know, I agree with you, but perhaps it needs to be rebranded because what it is now isn't appetizing to those people who fought against it and lost they're not well, going to yeah but again, we are living in the majority conservative country well, hey, listen and a lot of people are uncomfortable with that as you know then we need to produce change if people are not happy with the governance of the country yeah. then they need to do 100 right but unfortunately the choices the choices for change at the moment are so limited it's like if i said to you do you prefer stalk or, or margarine it's really that limited <laughs> Um, but, you know, look, it will happen. We will make the change but because there's enough of us growing and, and seeing through all this. But it, but, it, but it is about people feeling a solidarity through engagement. 
And that's got like like you're doing with the kids there. Like if they didn't meet you, they wouldn't feel that. They just hate education full stop. It's yeah. that same thing. It's that education through engagement. It's about planting that seed as well, because like yeah, I always yeah. tell young people, do not take my word for it. Anything that I've said to you, go and research for yourself. You've all got Google in front of you. You've all got the, the internet at your, at, at your fingertips. Go and do some research for yourself, because what I want to do is give you some of the things that I learned late, give them to you early, so that you're not having to do some of the things that I've had to do to get the, to the position where I am now. And it's just helping them get to where they need to be a little bit quicker. Because I mean, they are the I'm going to say this. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you, you, planting the seed is also what you're doing now because we're not just talking about talking to kids. At the moment, you're talking to people in about 60 different countries. There are only one or two of them, but they're hearing you and you're planting a seed in their mind now because yeah. because it's not just about the kids. It's We need adults, everyone to understand that we need to create better futures. And I can't think of a better example of that than you being on here talking to people. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. But it is about everybody coming together and just making the conscious decision to want a better future for the next generations that are coming up because the world's not a nice place. And this is why I have to explain <laughs> to students, unfortunately, the world's not nice and life's not fair. It's up to you to make it fairer. That's your responsibility. It's a tough job and we haven't made it easier. This generation and generations before us haven't made it an easy job, but it's their responsibility now. Beautifully put. I think that that is a really lovely place to to leave this. Um, in fact, just before we go, um, you told me about a couple of situations that occurred to you, um, Nikita. Do you want to share share on those? Yeah, well, um, there's been a couple of things going on recently that really made me have to really address my own thoughts on race and racism and things like that so I was racially abused recently for the first time in my life and um, it was um, it was a shock it was a little bit of a shock to me um, it took me a while to digest the information and sort of yeah figure out how that made me feel because previously um, my relationship with like the n-word I've not really been inflicted by you or really you found it to cause me offence, mainly because I know I understand the history of the word and I understand the, the connotations and how it can be used. And I'm a, a, a really big believer in reclaiming knowledge and using language appropriately. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, when I when that comment was made about me, I was just very very um, shocked and made a gas, particularly because it came from a person of colour. I was like, oh, is that how we're dealing with each other these days? But mm. obviously, throughout time, a lot of pop culture um, references. We want to describe yeah. ourselves in using certain language and using certain terms and people have become accustomed to it. But what you're actually doing is then giving consent to other communities to use these phrases and talk about you and your people and your race in such a derogative way. So yeah, that was a definite eye opener for me. I, I think a lot of the things we had for 20, 30 years, the safeguards around politics and, and behaviour has been eroded for having 10, 20 years of this kind of right-wing regimes around the world. So it, it's given a legacy, a legitimacy to people that they shouldn't even be touching. But it's given that because because it's changed the, the goalposts so dramatically. And I'm sorry, you, nobody should have to go through anything like that. Nobody. 
Yeah, it was unfortunate, but definitely taking it as a learning experience. Yeah, no, absolutely. But you shouldn't <laughs> have to put Yeah, just a, definitely another experience to educate others as well, because um, we're all learning and we're all growing every day. And like I said, my own understanding of certain language and certain terms has been challenged. So, um, yeah, it's been a... Mm. Uh, mm. It's been a experience, so to speak. And I think that um, it's it's quite interesting because I I really resonate with Makeda's experience of, of racism. I've not really had these kind of overt um, interactions with you know racists um, in that you know I've I've lived in ma big major cities and I understand that that nuance kind of changes you know quite drastically um, the whiter and whiter an area gets. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, I've, I really, I've, I feel that, I feel that in, in such a powerful way. And it's like, it, <laughs> it's like racism just seems so confusing to me. It's like, I don't know why, how could you, like, I've grown up around a whole range of different cultures and, and people from different countries. Like I've been entrenched in that. That's what I've been brought up in. So. It, it confuses me as to how, in a way, people can have this idea of, of minorities, um, black and Asian and, and others, um, and have like degrading views on them, simply yeah. because of the media, simply because of the news, simply because of... But it's not know, just the media and the news, it's also their experiences. That If they're isolated from... I've worked with so many people that didn't mix with other communities. What I'm saying, what I'm talking about is people that don't really come into interaction with, with anybody outside of no, their No, that's own. what I'm saying. So they need, to, they, need to, they need to have that shared experience. It's like, yeah, yeah. can you go through your whole school life, your whole college life, etc., and not meet people of different cultures? Mm, mm. I mean, that's out of your own prejudices. In, no, I don't mean prejudices in, in the big word. I mean, I'm scared to meet with those people because they might, you know, take drugs or they might drink alcohol, or whatever. Whatever your rationale is of not joining in, because most mm -hmm. people would join in in most of the scenarios. You know, like for example, I'm always pleased every time I go to carnival, and there's so many ranges of different people there. It's amazing. Yeah. But someone may have never gone. Yeah, and this is a sad thing. Enough people that have lived in London their whole lives, but have never gone to Nottingham Hill, Nottingham yeah. Carnival, because yeah. they're they're afraid of the diversity. That they're afraid. And of there's people that live in the area that go away for a week yeah. when it's on. Yeah, what comes to mind with that is the um, the photo that came out of Adele when she was in. Celebrating them the um, carnival and the amount of um, trolling that she got about. Yeah, really. Really? If anybody knows about Carnival, it's going to be Adele. That's where she lived and where she grew up. She's probably going to Carnival her whole life. So yeah, exactly. to say that she can't put on Carnival attire because she's white or because she's a multi-million dollar artist. Like it just goes to show how people's minds are set up. Well, look, you know, you you, you see it even in it, within the, everybody's own communities. There's there's not a, there's not a clarity. Look at Northern Ireland between the you know the Champagne. They can't agree on anything. Hmm. You know, it's not simple because you come from a community that you have a shared opinion. Uh, it, we have to, again, that's again prejudice. The same prejudices happen. You know, your experiences, your life experiences. And until we challenge those, the only time I've seen that change is when people challenge it, when they actually, for example, I'm going to go and meet someone who's Jewish or Arabic or, or Catholic or, uh, you know, Pakistani or Indian, so that I can change the views I've got. If you stay where you are, you only see it from one dimension. Mm-hmm.
I'm going to say this. I don't know many, many amazing people from Birmingham, but I know two now. city of culture now it's, it is a lovely diverse place to live and like i feel like living in this city you get to get a real understanding of the different cultures and the diversity that goes on here like people actually get on i'll never forget one of the times where i was just doing some shopping on dudley road which is like one of the big shopping center roads in um, birmingham and um there was a asian lady with her headscarf on and she had like her whole face covered in some and everything else and there was she was talking to a white man who had his head in up like he was like a like he could look like he was a skinhead for want of a better word. Okay. Was in his army boots and they stood up for a good five or ten minutes having an in-depth conversation about the changes they want to see in their community because they were both part of the, um, the community uh, board in um, the area. So you wouldn't see that in any other area. You're not going to see people from so such opposing communities come together and actually sit down and get in harmony and i wish i took a picture of that image because oh, yeah, you should have. spoke a thousand words it literally did you know we live in confusing times i i'm, I'm it, it's occurred to me that uh, coventry is about to become the city of culture for the country yeah and the euros are about to start in june the 2020 european football games are going to start yeah so we're going back a year even though it's 2021, it's going to be the 2020 and Coventry is going to be the city of culture. So if we can't move forward with those things, I don't know what, 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 what it will take to move us forward. What's, what's that noise? What's that noise? Is there a bit of feedback? Yeah, oh, yeah. That's okay. Sorry, though. Oh, okay. That's you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, there's definitely some interesting times coming up and there's definitely... Yeah, definitely. ...involved. Definitely. It'll be interesting. It mm. really will. Thank you so much, Makeda. It's been such wow. a such a pleasure to actually speak to you and, and catch up with you and and go dive in um, more in depth into what you've been up to um, since leaving school. <laughs> it's, it's been incredible. I mean, it's been brilliant. It feels like five minutes, but it's probably been about an hour. But it's been, it feels like five minutes. Oh, thank you've, you. You've been brilliant. Thank you so much for your time and for the opportunity to use this forum. And then, yeah, hopefully we can get together and network and start making some of the things that we discussed. Yeah. And reality. Yeah, definitely. It's all about action. I'm hoping... It's very uh, rare these days. I don't mean this in a disparaging way, but it's very rare these days to meet a, an educated and an articulate person of any community. So there's been a real pleasure having you on this forum. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Makeda. That is it for today on Brunch with Naomi Osaka, right here on the Curious Anarchy podcast with myself, Jermaine, and my wonderful co-host, Mark. Would you like to say some words, Mark? <laughs> uh, I hope Brilliant. Thank you very much. That's all for today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.